Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Wednesday. It's the RDL show. But no RDL? What happened? Well, folks, rumor has it that Ryan D. Leaf blew out his back putting on the indoor putting green in the Rich Eisen studios when he was hosting the show yesterday afternoon. So no Ryan Leaf today. Jonathan Rifkin filling in. Sky Guasco will be joining me here momentarily. We have a packed show for you today. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can find us all over the place. We're on YouTube. We are on Twitter. If you're watching on the TCK Fantasy Football Facebook feed, Sky Guasco, uh, make sure to hit us up there. We are also on the Bleed Podcast Network. Rate, review, and subscribe for all of the content. Like I said, Ryan Leaf tweaked his back in the putting green, the indoor putting green that they have at the Rich Eisen Studios down in El Segundo. Ryan was taking some warm-up shots, I heard, prior to hosting yesterday's show, overextended on a putt, tweaked his back, had to take the day off. Here we are, Jonathan Rifkin filling in. I promise you it's going to be a fun show. We have a lot to get to. Um, we're going to kick it, kick it off with the NBA. We're going to transition into uh, Sky has a bone to pick with some fans. Maybe all the fans. Maybe maybe Sky misses the dates when no fans were allowed in stadiums. I don't know. We're going to find out, though. That's going to come in about 30 minutes or so. But I want to begin with this. Why do we love clickbait? Why do all of you people in the Twitter sphere and the YouTube sphere and for the four people that are still on Facebook, why do we love clickbait? Right, because we love controversy, and we love to sit there and get into our little arguments on our Reddit threads or with our friends over a beer after a long day of work, and we like to act like we're right. But where are we getting our information? What are we actually breaking down, folks, when it comes to what we are reading, what we are consuming in the sports world? Okay, Kevin Durant, the narrative surrounding Kevin Durant from a fan perspective, from an ambiguous reporting perspective was that Kevin Durant has been surrounded by superstars and that Kevin Durant needs help and has not done it himself. <laughs> Ryan Leaf chiming in here that uh, I'm part of the clickbait problem. All right. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe I'm part of the problem too. Appreciate the boss man type shoot tuning in. I hope he has some icy hot uh, on the chinks in his armor and his back. Okay. Kevin, the, the the narrative is okay. Kevin Durant hasn't had help. Kevin Durant is a superstar who has won championships with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, yada yada yada. Was Steve Kerr's coach? That's what the headlines read. So the narrative surrounding Kevin Durant up until yesterday was Kevin Durant has James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant needs these stars to surround himself to be successful. And that is that media, that headline clickbait narrative has driven the conversation surrounding Kevin Durant for the last three years after he tore his ACL through rehab and then to this postseason. And yet yesterday morning, okay, yesterday morning, I looked at my roommate, Eric Schechter, who has no idea I'm talking about him. He's sitting with his AirPods to my right right now. I said, Eric, Kevin Durant's going off tonight for, for 50 points and he's going to have a double-double, and the Nets are going to win because of this narrative, because he is so sick and tired. Kevin Durant responds to all of you on Twitter. If Ryan Leaf, the, the infamous Twitter account that we are currently broadcasting to, if we tweeted at Kevin Durant, 
I promise you he would probably respond. This guy is an active social media member. He sees everything that you all are saying. He sees what you are talking about, right? And so yesterday, he didn't need a tweet back at you to respond. He was just going to go prove you all wrong. But the truth is, is that it wasn't the game that proved that that was the proof. It was the entire narrative that was wrong from the beginning, because as a society, as a as an instant gratification world, we like to just read whatever the controversy is on the headline. And then we assume our own uh, perspective based on that. We're not going and watching like how many Nets games have many of you watched? Probably none, probably nothing before the postseason. Right. And yet we're still going to sit here and say Kevin Durant can't get it done. Right. Because we read it. And this is a narrative. I'm using Kevin Durant as an example because now that narrative doesn't exist after his triple-double yesterday, after he still beat a, a very healthy, comparatively Bucks team, a Bucks team that was set up to win and move forward into a Western Conference final if it was supposed to be just KD and the rest of these scrubs. KD had to play 48 minutes. Can you? I can barely play 15. I'm still young. I'm 24 years old. I go play 15 minutes of high-intensity basketball, and I'm out for three days. Kevin Durant plays 48 minutes. He gets a triple-double. And he has to get on a plane and go to the Midwest. And he's probably going to go and win or put up 50 again, right? We need to end with these clickbait narratives. We need to actually be informed sports fans. Here on the RDL show, that's what we we do. We bring you the, the cross, the intersection. It says in our bio, the intersection of society and sports. And that's what this is. These are human beings, but these are also human beings built different. Kevin Durant is at the pinnacle of the, the basketball world, right? Tom Brady is at the pinnacle. People were writing Tom Brady off three years ago as a headline grabber. But if you actually dug deep, no analyst, no actual analyst was writing off Tom Brady. But the media narrative drove the, the fan perspective as such. Kevin Durant's the same way. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be the same way because of what he's being put through right now. Probably going to see with Kawhi Leonard if the Clippers lose after this season. I just urge you all to pay more attention than what is just said on Reddit feeds and on Twitter, on Twitter timelines and on Instagram stories and on Facebook posts and on the headlines of the athletic and of ESPN and Fox, listen to the analysts, watch the games and become informed because what Kevin Durant did yesterday was you were all already proven wrong, but the proof now was, was tangible. You could take out a box score and see the proof. And now there's no more narrative. I don't want to hear any more about this. And with that, Sky Guasco, how you doing, my man? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, you got me fired up, and now I have a whole other side of things. And, <laughs> and you already you already called out my uh, my my fan chatter, which we'll get to in a little bit. It's a little bit different than what you're bringing up, but it's it's similar ish. To your point on clickbait, it is absolutely frustrating, and it's it's gotten to the point, unfortunately. And this is outside of the sports world as well. This is just news in the world we live in these days. It's hard to find A, the truth, and B, anything close to it. And even your quote-unquote reliable sources, whether it be a reporter or a news anchorage or something else, uh, often maybe they're not 100% either with with different things going on. So it's been tough. And I think this Kevin Durant thing is awesome. Um, I was, uh, I would say, privileged to uh, root for him as a, a true fan for you know three, four years with the Warriors um, when they had their incredible run there a few years ago, and just watching him play game in and game out before he popped his Achilles and kind of that you know dynasty crumbled in that moment, really. Um, but just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And yes, he is vocal on social media. 
but he also backs it up on the court and he has for a long time. And this was a great game for him to really set himself to that bar. You know, he was injured last year, sits out, comes back. Nobody really knows what we're going to get, has some good games, gets the super team with Kyrie and Harden. And we have this whole conversation all over again. They bring Blake Griffin in, who's, you know, maybe a shell of himself ish, but he's still Blake Griffin and they have a great team. And Harden goes down. We'll see what happens. They do well. Kyrie goes down. Uh oh, the Nets are in trouble. And <laughs> Kevin Durant just goes, Well, why don't I give it my, you know, why don't I give it a game here and see what we can do? Pops off for 49, 17, and 10, and just goes nuts for a night. And, you know, it's great that you had mentioned the call too. I was listening earlier in the day to uh, local, well, not local radio, national radio, but listening to radio while I was driving around yesterday. And I was listening to uh, Tiki and Tierney. And, they had mentioned literally last night had to happen for the Nets exactly or they were going to be in trouble and lose the series. And they quite literally said Durant has to step up and score 50 or the Nets, A, don't have a chance to win the game, and B, they're going to lose the series if they go down 3-2. to two. And Durant scores 49-17, dishing off, you know, minimal turnovers, and they were able to get it. And you look, Giannis, who's been playing well the last couple of days, Middleton as well, Giannis had 34 in his own right, but not enough. And Durant had a Durant had a series. He had what was it like five or six possessions in a row or something where he dribbled down. First of all, he's the point guard at seven feet tall, which is insane. Comes down, looks around quickly, and just kind of chucks up what looks like a curry three. Just kind of off the dribble, pops it up, swish, and he did it about four times in a row. You and can't when some, defend him. No, you when can, somebody's like, that hot, it, you, was, you don't I have was, a chance. I was watching this morning. I was watching Cowherd, and they were they were. Um, they had his business partner on, Rich Klein. Rich Kleinman? Rich Kleinman. Um, and they were showing highlights from last night. I was breaking down all the defenders that Kevin Durant was being guarded in these highlights. There was one point when he drove on P.J. Tucker and Brooke Lopez collapsed on the block and he had the two biggest guys on the court on him and still put it up in, in over both of them. You cannot stop this guy. He knows it. And, but he's never been a stats guy, right? He's never been the stats guy. We don't. When you think of Kevin Durant, you don't think about the, the big numbers. We don't care about the big numbers with him. We care about productivability. We care about pliability. We care about the, his how he gets these shots that he gets. And, and also, you brought something up. Let's, let's put a, a, a cherry on this um, with this point here. But, Sky, you brought something up earlier that I think is like the entire point can be summarized with this. If you are Kevin Durant in, in the summer of 2020, you're coming off your Achilles and you want to win a championship and Rich Paul and the, uh, the you know, the Alibaba group, Joe Sai, Joe Sai, one of the size comes up to you and says, um, we, we can get you Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden, but, and, and you're Katie and you're like, Oh, well the fans, no, you don't care about what the fans think. You don't care about if, you, if any of us, it's so easy for us to pass judgment because we are sitting here on the outside reading narratives that are fed to us by the p- opinions of people all over the place, right? Confirmation bias is the, like, that is the number one evil in this world. Like, confirmation bias is probably below, can- like, just below cancer. Um, and I'm not trying to demean diseases that was made. You get what I'm saying. But confirmation bias is, is, is a plague. And we can go search for validation and how we feel about any of this anywhere on the web, anywhere through social media, anywhere through the people that we surround ourselves with. But if we were in Kevin Durant's position, any of us, we would all say, yes, we want Kyrie Irving. Yes, we want James Harden at the end of the day. So we were in no position to judge Kevin Durant and his legacy prior to it. 
and yet we still find ways to do it. And then Kevin Durant said, no, my legacy is still solidified. I'm still currently probably the best player in the National Basketball Association, if not the world. And there is now not a single point counterpoint to that that I would be able to entertain. If somebody comes at me with a counterpoint, please try. Like, go go pay attention to something I, else. I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Um, this game certainly helps for him to put himself on a pedestal, have to literally carry the team, and he did it resounding way. Also, I think what's getting swept under the rug now because he was so dominant is I remember turning this game on early in the first half and being like, wow, the Bucks are running them. Like the Nets are done. They're toast. They're yeah. down. They were down 10, 14, 17 points at one point. And then I come back later in the game and Durant's just absolutely on fire. And the, the uh, Nets erase a 17 point deficit, which isn't insane in basketball, but it's still 17 points. I mean, that's obviously very impressive. And I think although this game reminded people how the general fan reminded people how incredible Kevin Durant can be, it's very important, I think to his legacy in general and these people that put him down a little bit for the super team narrative, it is very important for him to win the title this year with the but Nets. A, but Sky, because, because he, they came because they came in as the 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 heavyweight favorite. Okay. So it's a it's a disappointment to everybody if the Nets don't right, win it, in I my agree. opinion, because of how they came sure. in. Okay. Okay. Now with Harden banged up, with Kyrie banged up, and if Durant doesn't do it now, I wouldn't fault him personally. I just think that it's important for him to get this win. First of all, because in the fans' eyes, the Nets are supposed to win. You know, when these upsets happen, the team that's supposed to win, the Chiefs last year, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, all right? The Chiefs going into that game were supposed to win the Super Bowl. You could argue two years ago the 49ers were supposed to win against the Chiefs, and they didn't. That's why they're upsets, right? The Giants upset the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. The Patriots were supposed to win those games. They become upsets. If the Nets win, they're upsets. I don't think it derails Kevin Durant's legacy as a player or anything, but, but in the but general creates, fan, I think but, it affects it. But who creates a legacy? Who who creates who drives legacies of these athletes? Who credibly Fans. Drives it? Sometimes, but there are people who, who stand by Michael Jordan's legacy as the greatest player of all time. But there sure. are people that stand by LeBron James's legacy as the greatest of all time. And you have media members on both sides of the argument. And you have, and then you could go to you know the big men, right? Is Tim Duncan the greatest big man because he was so fundamentally sound, or is Kareem Abdul Jabbar because he was so he had all the different tricks up his sleeve and was so dominant for so long, right? There, there are so many different ways that legacy perspectives are driven. I don't I I don't think that for the people that actually have a say like Kevin Durant's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Kevin Durant is multi NBA champion. Kevin Durant is a scoring title champion. Kevin Durant is an an, an MVP. Kevin Durant this. Kev, like we can go on and on about the accolades. So those accolades in theory should supersede the fact that he Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were on his team when he won a championship. They should supersede. Nobody's arguing that LeBron James is like, le- nobody credible is arguing that LeBron James is, <laughs> is, is legacy is tainted because he had Dwayne Wade and because he had Chris Bosh. Yes. In 2007, he took a very crappy Cavs team to a championship though. They should have like it, it. The Spurs still beat them. It was a, the, the Eastern conference was trash that year. We don't even need to get into it. Like, yes, that happened. Yes. Kobe Bryant in 06 took a crappy Lakers team to a two seat. However, none of that actually like the, that 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 abstained. Like you abstain from those points when it comes to those legacies because all like the accolades still supersede even those minute aspects. So 
I, I just think that the people who drive the narrative, like their heads are in the right place with Kevin Durant. I don't think that Kevin Durant, like we may say we need, he needs it to, to solidify his legacy. I, I think that the people that matter and, and the voices that matter surrounding this narrative are going to his I think that his legacy solidified because of that. Let's make this the question of the day today. Is Kevin Durant's legacy contingent on winning the title this year? Jonathan and I have already kind of stated our claims, but hop in the comments section, of course, and we'll get to the rest of those uh throughout the show here. And again, I just I think it's silly, but we see this time and time again where the fans unfortunately and especially now nowadays with social media, Jonathan, you know as well as I do, man. You're behind the scenes. You're literally calling games. I mean, you're like you're in the, you know, you're in the media if you want to yeah. call it that at some level. It's just it's uh, sometimes fans and media drive narratives, but they drive different narratives sometimes uh than, you know, than one one particular narrative. You know, they can take two sides sure. of that. I mean, I, and I, I think can, with Kevin Durant, he's yeah. been a little bit of Ryan and I talked on Monday about a little bit of um you know, Novak Djokovic in tennis, how he's going to go down on paper as the best men's tennis player ever. He just will. He's going to have more titles and more grand slams than Nadal and Federer. That, that'll that happen. So he's going to be the best on paper. But he's almost like this villain because Federer kind of kicked it off after the Sampras and Agassi era, and then Nadal did it, and now it's 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 uh, uh, or Djokovic. And for some reason, people don't like the guy, right? So it's this weird narrative thing where like Kevin Durant's almost this underlying villain First of all, his Twitter antics don't help his cause <laughs> because you're right. He's very, uh, you know, responsive. I'll put it that way. Um, and not always in, in, the, in the best way, but he's almost this like underlying villain. And LeBron has, has worn that cape forever because he's floated around multiple teams and then this thing. And to the fan, it's just so weird. So it's odd, but I, I think he's an incredible player. It's and now that he's got some steam, even with Kyrie and, and Harden, which we're going to dive into the NBA injuries here a little bit deeper in a second, but even with Kyrie and, and Harden banged up, uh, the Nets only need one more, and they get a few days off here, and they're going to get either a beat up Sixers team or you know an under the radar uh, team in the Hawks who are fun, but I don't think they're going to compete with the Nets overall. So if Kevin can get through this one, I think the East is still in trouble now that he's got a little fire under him. All right, let's get to those injuries here in a second. Before that, um, I. I should have a picture of my – I do on my phone, but I am i don't know how appropriate it is. So we're going to use Ryan Leaf's abs um, as as our promotion for Sunfair. Trust me. Trust me. These, these Give me another month. I'm still like co- – the COVID winter bot is being worked off. I'm eating my Sunfair. I'm still trying to catch up to this guy right here. He's also working out like 6 a.m. every morning. Uh, I that, that doesn't do it for me. I don't have that kind of – he has youthful energy. Let's just put it that way. So uh, if you want some youthful energy, if you want to look like – the big man, the top photo, I mean, that's a recent photo. The first one is July of last year. That's a quick progression. Now it's barely working out. We're going to get an updated app pick, I promise you, of Ryan. Um, maybe tweaking his back out there putting like he did this morning to abstain from being on the RDL show. But uh, make sure you go to sunfair.com for personalized, healthy meals. Enter your information at the page. Select Carl Farrow as your sales representative and let them know that you heard about them from the Ryan D. Leaf Show, 10% off your first order. LA and Phoenix, Scottsdale areas only right now. We're working on the extension. Um, I'm I will drive up to Los Angeles from San Diego to pick up my Sun Fair if it promises that I get abs like Ryan Leaf. We'll get there. We're getting <laughs> there. Uh, thank you to Sun Fair and all of our sponsors for sponsoring the RDL show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe all across listening platforms, courtesy 
of the Believe Podcasting Network. NBA injuries. NBA needs to allow players to rest in the regular season. Okay? It's just that simple. Stop finding teams $15,000, $25,000, $30,000, $150,000. It does not matter. Why? Because you are getting screwed for it right now before our eyes, right? What makes you more money in media rights? The eyeballs in the regular season for regional games or nationally televised games in the postseason, late in the postseason? Probably the postseason games. So why are we sacrificing the pliability of players by penalizing them if they want to sit out because the game is on ESPN on a Wednesday afternoon and you pay Mark Jones and Hubie Brown to get out there for, for the call, right? Like, who cares? You're, you'll still get your eyeballs. You'll still get your five to seven million views on ESPN, and it'll be fine. Kawhi doesn't have to play that game. LeBron doesn't have to play that game. When do, they, when do Kawhi and LeBron have to play? When does AD have to play? When does Kyrie and James Harden have to play? In the postseason. It vehemently affects the game. And when we look at the injuries now and the players who are playing through the injuries, DeAndre Hunter is a big loss for the Hawks. Right now, the Hawks and the Bucks are the most pliable teams. The, Haw- the Bucks have no injuries. They just have no bench. Um, and that's really their Achilles heel. DeAndre Hunter was an up-and-coming 3 and D guy for the Hawks. Would have helped spread the floor, added some more depth. Herder wouldn't have had to start. Um, we'll see what happens to Gallinari. He looks like he's banged up. The Hawks are pretty healthy. Joel Embiid is not healthy. Joel Embiid went 0 for 12 the other day. Joel Embiid yes. had the worst second half of any NBA player in the last 25 postseasons. Okay. And let me let me let me Go jump ahead. in really Go quick ahead. on 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 Embiid, and I'll let you keep going. Go ahead. This is this is after three games where he and only Allen Iverson in Sixers history had more points cumulative over the first three games of a Sixers playoff. So before this, he was playing absolutely phenomenal basketball gets nicked up, and then goes over 12 for the rest yep. of the game, and he's in real trouble there. Yep. Oh, and by the way, Tobias Harris is a little banged up. Um. So, I mean, and, and the problem is Joel Embiid should not be playing right now, right? When Anthony Davis came back to play in game five or game six of the Laker game, and he played for five minutes, you were like, why with the torn quadricep? Emmanuel Acho was all over the place talking about how he tore his quadricep, the same level two uh, tear, and he was out for six to eight weeks. And this is a guy who had millions of dollars of rehab accessibility to him and trainers and hyperbolic chambers. Like that was six to eight weeks of rehab with intensive um, resources to push his body to through that, right? That's like the best you can do. AD after a week is out there playing because the Lakers need him. This guy should not be playing with a torn quadriceps. Chris Paul should not be playing with, with an AC separation or a labrum or whatever it is in his shoulder, right? Like this, if this is not a good product for the nba and now Kawhi is out chris conley has been out mike conley excuse me mike conley has been out for the series a big loss for the jazz right if Kawhi doesn't go down the lakers or the lakers the clippers the other la team the clippers are locked to win this series and now we don't know because it's going to be the paul george versus donovan mitchell show and it's going to be the team that can make more threes wins and you know utah going what was it 16 for 48 from the three-point line the other night not going to cut it like but Go ahead. And and Paul and Paul George and Kawhi, but Paul George was, you know, horrendous the first two games. And the the jazz fans are are, are chanting playoff PG. You know, he's got this reputation, unfortunately. He's a great yep. player, but he's got this reputation of folding in the playoffs. He played horrendously in the first two games that go down 0-2. He plays much better in the in the last two games. They win those games, but now they're uh without Kyrie. So which a- Paul George are we gonna get? 
but there's a correlation between him between Paul George, right? The games that Kawhi has turned it on, the last two games, same with the Mavericks series, are the games that they, the, they both had 31 points last game. This was only the third time all season. All season, Sky, we're 80 some games into the postseason now that they have scored each 30 plus points in a game. This should be happening like 40% Routinely. of the game. Yeah. Like yeah. this should be part of their game plan. I also want to make a point here and say that Paul George. He has the perfect thing. He has the, he has the Kevin Durant opportunity, mm-hmm. right? He goes to the line, and, and Utah Jazz fans are shining overrated and, and playoff Paul, playoff Pete, like you said. Now guess what? He goes and he go, puts up 40 and wins the Clippers the game tonight. And now what are the Jazz fans <laughs> going to say? Right. Right now playoff P is going to become playoff P. So, yeah, yeah. right, like I – and Mike, like I love, I love Spider. I love Donovan Mitchell. The team around him is so good, but the, all they just don't, they don't feel like they want it as much as the Clippers did. Like there were sparks. Zubats was a spark for the Clippers. Um, Terrence Mann, Pat Beverly's defense when he was out there, Pat Beverly had a noticeable, tangible effect on the pace of play with the teammates around. Marcus Morris had eight for nine threes last game. Like the Clippers seem like they won. So yes, Kawhi is going down. If Paul George can be the Paul George on the Thunder where he had two games where he scored 50 points and then that was it and then he sucked and that's where playoff Pete was born, the Clippers could legitimately still win this series. They have the pieces to do it, but I, I don't this, – this is a this is a true crapshoot. I mean, the, the line went from minus three to minus seven in favor of Utah when, when Kawhi went down this morning. And now they're fearing an ACL injury, which is really yeah. bad. But that so, would be season. See, that yeah. would be – that could be longer. That could be next – I mean, that's I don't want to speculate, but uh, yeah. I mean, we it's bad. Okay, so, so it's 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 at least game five. So, uh, Jonathan, let's let's do this here. I'm going to go through uh, each of these brackets. I'm going to give you the updated. You can see scrolling below here. Um, if you're watching live, those of you following later on on the podcast can't see the screen. So I'm going to roll this out for you, uh, Jonathan. I want to get your thoughts on the series moving forward here because we're going to wrap up potentially yep. some of this uh, this week and then heading into uh, heading into next week here. So let's see if you can. Uh, predict here. So we know that the Suns made easy work of the MVP, which I thought was quite impressive, but the Denver Nuggets didn't show up. The Suns for nothing played very well. Chris Paul's a whole nother situation. Maybe we'll follow up on Chris Paul's uh, situation after we get through this year. So let's start with the Utah Jazz and the Clippers, as you mentioned, quite out for game five minimum. And maybe by the time we're done with the show, we have more news, but that's the latest you and I have Currently, if anybody else has an update we haven't seen while we've been on air, please let us know in the comments. Two to two series, game five in LA. Ultimately, Jonathan, who do you think takes the series at this point? This is the least confident I've of a take I've had in the postseason. Like I, if you on paper the Jazz are a better team, right? I, just on paper they are. Let's say they're without Kawhi Leonard. It looks like it's, that way. But, so if they have no, but the Kawhi, problem is, is this is where I this is where I talk about where if you watch a team enough. And you you understand chemistry, you understand flow, you understand lineups, you understand rotations. Like I under, I watch the Clippers a ton. I've watched every playoff game that I like. I've, I've watched almost every playoff game of every team this postseason when I can. If I'm calling a game, I, I'm checking it during commercial breaks when, when when I'm off on my broadcast. Like I'm I am in on this. Um, the Clippers are better to the, when the Clippers control the pace of play. 
when Reggie Jackson provides a spark, when Zubats comes in and they, they just keep attacking Gobert, they get Gobert into foul trouble and they force other players to have to create on the perimeter. And then you have your great perimeter players, Terrence Mann stepping up. This guy's getting genuine minutes because he's a great three and D guy and he provides a spark. Reggie Jackson has had a resurgence. Pat Beverly has been a great, he's always been a great perimeter defender, but he has an, another level of energy that players are feeding off of. Marcus Morris is a veteran leader. This team has guys that has assets that I would want for who they are more than guy, the guys on Utah, more than who Donovan Mitchell has around him, right? Because at the end of the day, in the last three minutes of a playoff game, there are three more guys. There are three guys around Paul George that I would trust with the ball in their hand more than I would trust anybody else on the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, Without aside from Donovan Mitchell. You can't give Rudy, Rudy Gobert an offensive liability in the final stretch of a game, right? Joe Ingles has been inconsistent. Bogdanovich has been driving more. Like he doesn't have confidence for three. So uh, I mean, the jazz should, the jazz should win this series, but I have faith in the Clippers that they're going to get it done without Kawhi. So I am going to go at least for game five. I think the Clippers are going to prove everybody wrong and they're going to win game five. Wow. Okay. And ultimately the series. Yes, I think that they okay. I mean the team that wins tonight is the team that goes on to win it all. But I all think right. that because because of that fact, yes, I do believe the Clippers will win. All right, fair enough. Let's move to the East quick. Philadelphia and Atlanta. Atlanta, man, I'm telling you, I, I've been pretty fired up on this. You know, Trey Young has yep. been a great story. The rest of their team has been awesome. You just mentioned they are probably the healthiest overall roster in the NBA. And obviously that means that moves mountains when you get to the playoffs. And a lot of times the not best team who is the healthiest ends up moving on uh, just out of default there. So Philadelphia, one seed, Hawks, five seeds tied at two two right now. Uh, but look, the, the Hawks came back last night, had a great final stretch, ended up getting late buckets and get the W. Do you think the Hawks can take a game five here uh, no. in Atlanta or no. do you? No, okay. I do not. I think that Joel Embiid, it's a big, bad mf'er. And he is going to just, like, at the end of the game, he took full responsibility. He just said, I have to be. There were no excuses. It wasn't that I'm playing injured. It wasn't that I'm tired. It wasn't that Ben Simmons is a terrible teammate and needs to be traded to the Pelicans. It's that <laughs> it's that I, I need to be better, okay? And the last time Joel Embiid said that, Joel Embiid went off. Yeah. And so I'm inclined to believe that we're going to, as injured as he may be, I'm inclined to believe that they, that's going to happen again. Also, Seth Curry was non-existent. Seth Curry has been a big factor offensively for this team. Tobias Harris is playing somewhat injured. If he comes back with a little bit more energy, he's going to be a big factor. Matisse Tybal off the bench is a bit. So, you know, Trey Young, the reason that they won wasn't because Trey Young had 25 points. It was because he had 18 assists. He was looking. He realized he could have 40 points, but they may not win this game. He realized that he has assets around him that can make shots. You know, Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, John Collins had 12 and 10, but he had that stretch where he he provided the spark and with the two corner threes and the dunk to, to, to ignite them back into this game. So they're young and they have pieces around them, I, around Trey Young. And if Trey Young's going to get you 20 assists in a game, maybe. I don't know how sufficient that is. Um, I just think that they're not going to be able to stop Joel Embiid. And if they try, then they're going to be pieces around him that are going to produce. And so I think the Sixers are going to win this game. I don't think, I think they're going to win by double digits. Um, and wow. that'll be the ultimate end of the series. Wow. I, uh, I hear you and I don't have a huge comeback on why I disagree. It's really just, a gut <laughs> it's, it's, I honestly don't. Um, 
but it's really just a gut feeling. Just watching the two teams, seeing the deflate. And I hear you. If Embiid can can bounce back and pull a Durant, frankly, and just be like, all right, guys, I'm on. look. Ben Simmons was effectively benched at the end of the game. Okay, can't happen. Right, He's an and offensive it, liability. He, it just can't play when you're down by one point with a minute left. Ben Simmons cannot play. Is that's a terrible? That's a terrible fact. That's just wild. It's wild to me <laughs> that that it's come to that. But you're right. And so if it's going to be Embiid versus you know Embiid and company versus the Hawks versus this two headed monster that we've wanted to see really succeed. And look, they got to the to the number one seed. They're not scrubs, obviously. But they've yeah, gone, they beat the Knicks gone to get there though. Well, sure, it doesn't matter. They've gone hot and cold in these series, right? Fair they've enough. gone hot and cold. And yeah. against a Hawks team that is, I think, incredibly, you know, just roster to roster. The, the, the Hawks have no business winning this series, but they're playing with grit, right? They're playing with good chemistry, they're playing healthy, and that kind of stuff matters so much when you get to this point in the season they're 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 the group they're the ucla right they're the group they're every year's they're every year's underdog that makes a run yeah they're every year's cinderella absolutely and look they may not get out of this series and even if they get past this series i don't see them getting past the nets or bucks in the next round but they're at least a dog fight and if mb doesn't show up and the the hawks somehow go up three to two I really do think that they're in trouble. I think that the the Sixers are going to be in if trouble. Hawks go up three to two. This is one of the worst bat. Like this is going to be like one of the biggest. For like gut this Doc Rivers fire him, fire Elton Brand, fire what's his name, the GM that they brought over from Houston Rockets that's escaping my name that got in trouble with the China whole ordeal last year. Like just just strip the team, move the organization to Seattle and start over. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> uh, but you just you can't lose to the Hawks. You just can't. Like. If Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant lose, if the Nets lose, they need the Sixers to lose to overshadow all the headlines. If the Clippers lose, they need the six. Like all these teams that have the negative, like the mm-hmm. energy around them, are beg- <laughs> are hoping that the Sixers lose because this is the worst storyline of anything that could happen. So, so what you're saying is everybody outside of Philadelphia is rooting for the Hawks. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. All right, fair enough. Let's let's Except get to for the, the Knicks fans because I think they hate Trey Young. Of course. Let's get to the final. Let's get to the final bracket here. Sure. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks and Brooklyn Nets. We talked a lot about Kevin Durant, but just in general, this series again, up and down. Team team shows up. They play well. They don't show up the next night. Um, it's three to two right now. Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn takes it down again without Kawhi. Or excuse me, um, without uh, Kyrie and Harden beat up. Even I, I think that you know Durant playing the way that he's playing. Um, and Giannis gave an incredible effort last night. It just wasn't enough. And unfortunately, I just don't think the Bucks overall can match up for an entire game if Kevin's playing the way that he's been playing. So uh, I'll take the uh, Brooklyn Nets. But do you think that the Bucks have a chance to yeah, get an I upset mean, to force a game seven at least? The Buck, yeah, absolutely. The Bucks played well last night. Chris Middleton had 24 points. Giannis and they were up 17 at one point. Jeff, the reason that they lost wasn't because of KD. KD hit the big shots down the stretch. The reason they lost was Jeff Green came in and hit like seven straight threes. And it's, Jeff Green it was the X factor. Nobody's talking about this guy. This Dude, guy he has seven, been so many times too. He I mean. is 27 off the bench. He had seven threes. And we're sitting here like, oh, KD. Like, yes, KD had an amazing game, 49, 10, and 17. Jeff Green was the reason that they came back and won that game. Is Jeff Green going to get you 27 points again? Probably not. Simon's Katie's probably going to need to get you 60. Blake Griffin is probably going to need to get you 15. You're probably going to need to get like Bruce Brown in there and Luol look like you're going to need your depth. And I don't also, 
Also, how sufficient is it for Kevin Durant to perform the way that he did on less than two days rest after playing 48 minutes yeah. in game five of a basketball series? Like, would you blame him if he came out of the gate slow tomorrow? Probably not. James Harden? James Harden is is not James. He's out there just to do what he can, right? 5.1% yeah. shooting over eight from the from three Eight, eight assists, five rebounds. Like, fine, that's what you get. But he played four. He's almost a decoy, which is weird in basketball. But he's almost like a decoy. But, but like, also, you know, you know what Milwaukee's going to adjust? They're just going to attack him. Why not just attack James Harden when he's on defense? He can't do it. He doesn't defend when he's healthy. He's certainly not going to defend when he's not healthy. Spread the floor. You have KD in the pocket. You got shooters around you, and then you just go at James Harden. So I think we're going to see a tangible adjustment. The Bucks, if the Bucks will not blow a lead again like this if it happens. Um, so look, I is it realistic for the Bucks to win this game? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's like it's honestly like 55 45 to me right now, Brooklyn Nets. Because okay. Katie, the, the, the truth is that a superstar doesn't get deterred by stamina. Like the reason yeah. that LeBron James at his peak was LeBron James was because he would have nights like this every like Kobe Bryant would have nights like this a lot, right? Like having a one-off, like Jamal Murray last year had two of these games. Donovan Mitchell's had four. Nobody's looking at Donovan Mitchell and saying he's one of the best playoff performers of all time, even though he's had, you know, there's as many 50-point games as Carl Malone, not because he hasn't done it, strung it together consistently. Dame Loder has done it consistently. They just don't win games. Yeah. So, like, Kevin Durant is a superstar because he can string, like one of the best in the world, the best in the world, because he can string together these nights. So, it, it's, it's a catch-22. I think that I again fifty five percent leaning towards Brooklyn, um, but I could really see the Bucks winning this. Now, would you not? Um, you mentioned attacking Harden, and I guess on the defensive side for the Bucks, are you not swarming Durant and making everyone else beat you? And obviously, if Harden's right, that's not the strategy. Clearly, right? But Harden, right. but Harden's not right, and he he showed that he he doesn't have a shot right now. Yeah, maybe mean, he just doesn't have the elevation or whatever. But are you not you swarming swarming Durant and attacking and attacking? Right. Um, Harden on on, on the, the offensive problem, side. That's the problem problem is, is the problem is so you can, but once you sell out on that, the the Nets are going to adjust and like now you're just going to face shooters. You're going to have Blake Griffin out there in the perimeter who's a thirty three percent three point shooter. You're going to have um what's his name out there, Joe Harris, who's obviously like one of, has the highest three point shooting percentage in the NBA this season, and who's like been the silent killer for that team. You're going to have Bruce Brown. You can shoot threes. You're going to have the guys. You know. You, X, Y, and Z, like and green. like like these are NBA players. So if you leave them open, even if they're not great three point shooters, like if they're open enough, they're going to eventually make shots. And so I think that do you do you establish pressure early on Durant? Absolutely, try and get him tired early. But is it sufficient to try and make other people beat you? I mean, pro, it, I again, I think that that's a decent strategy. But I think that as Milwaukee, you you have to outscore them. Like this is a series of offense now. Like you had your eighty six to eighty four win. That will never happen again. Now it's time for you. You need to put up one hundred and five. We saw you need one hundred and five points last night. You didn't get it, or two nights ago. Like you need to you need to score or last night. Yeah, you need to score one hundred and ten points. You need to find a way to score as many and as efficiently as possible. And focusing on attacking Harden, just getting players into foul trouble. Um, you know, if, if, if Durant gets 50 and the rest of the team gets 100, fine. You need 105. You need 110. So focus on scoring more than the other team, I think, is the game plan right now. Fair enough. Those of you that are outside of Philadelphia and potentially New York, if you are a uh, Knicks fan and you're rooting for the Hawks or you're watching the rest of the NBA playoffs, make sure you grab yourself some athletic brew. 
Brew without compromise. You know that I'm a big fan here. Uh, I just went to a, a minor league baseball game, which I'm going to get into after this talk a little bit here on my on my rant, Jonathan prefaced at the beginning here. And uh, went to the minor league baseball game, and boy, wouldn't I have loved a non-alcoholic brew to enjoy during the game. Alcohol, brew without compromise, athletic brewery, non-alcoholic beers, go to athleticbrewing.com. Mention the Ryan D. Leaf Show, get 10% off of your order. They have two beers that they can send you, uh, which are absolutely delicious. They have a, a lager style, and they also have an IPA. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We appreciate our IPAs and good-tasting brews up here. Up north, you can get that same flavor without the consequences. You know, Ryan Spiel as well, and I tend to lead his side of the aisle as well. So hit up athleticbrew.com for non-alcoholic brews and enjoy the game's responsibly okay jonathan before we get into the rest of our show here i i just and and you can call it a rant you can call it a rant we'll call it a rant it's more Side just it's 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 a yeah it's a it's a <laughs> sure sky qualm i like that so i went to a minor league baseball game last night we have a, a great minor league affiliate of my san francisco giants here in eugene they used to be with the padres and then they were with the cubs and now they're with the giants uh, the Eugene Emeralds, great minor league baseball, short season, single A for those of you baseball fans out there. Great. It's professional baseball, just on a minor league level. Fantastic. You can take the family out. It's great. So I go out to the ball game. They had a reopening due to the COVID restrictions, loosening a little bit. I live in Oregon, so we have been very locked down since the beginning uh, of April last year. So the reopening thing. So I went out to the ballpark. First time since 2019, I've been to a ball game. Very excited. Haven't been in a big crowd, frankly, in two years, personally. So I got to the ball game. Super pumped. I'm enjoying the game. The M's go up a couple runs in the first couple innings. The crowd starts getting fired up. There's It's about a 6,500-capacity uh, stadium. I'm going to guess there's maybe 2,500 people out there. It wasn't even half full uh, for sure because of the capacity and people showing up. It's also Monday or Tuesday night. So I show up. Okay. So the M's go up. Great game. Vibes are high. Everything's good. The other team, Hillsboro Hops, score a couple runs as well. So it's a contentious game. All of a sudden, there's like four people throughout the stadium. And because there's only maybe 2,500 people, you only, you hear them. You hear every single thing people say when they're yelling at the umpire, yelling at calls, blah, blah, blah. So you're always going to have hecklers. Okay, fine. I have a certain tolerance for heckling sports. We have seen an embarrassment of treatment of, of players in the NBA specifically recently. It's a different conversation, but it's been in the limelight here. I played sports my entire life. Um, I've coached. Uh, I've been on the field. I've coached youth sports forever. I've been involved with youth sports for about 20 years. It is embarrassing the amount of shouting, cussing, inappropriate conversation that grown men usually, but people shout toward the stadium, toward the field to the players that they don't know personally, to the umpires who are doing this as a full-time job. Sometimes at a youth sports level, they're volunteering. These are volunteering parents doing this. They're yelling at kids. They're yelling at other people's kids. And I just got fired up last night, man. And you know what, Jonathan? I don't miss not having fans in the stadium. I think it's great for sports. I think it's great for the energy of sports in general. And I like to have a general energy in a stadium watching a game. I think that's fun. But – I was disappointed, to say the least, last night of two or three people. And maybe they had one or too many non-athletic brews last night, all right? Not an excuse. 
they're shouting things. They're arguing every single call. And I know that they're just trying to get a Raz out of the stands and try to throw off the players and the and the batters and all this stuff. But it's just it's completely irritating minimum. It's annoying at the least for me as a fan that enjoys the game that just wants to go out to the ballpark, enjoy a game, bring my family and watch a ball game and have these clowns shouting to the stadium, right? And it's one thing to be like, come on, Blue, that was a strike, or, you know, you missed that one, or, you know, swing batter, batter, like stuff like that, whatever, that's baseball. But when you're like yelling obscenities or you're cussing at people, right, on a human level, that's just inappropriate. People would never come to your workplace and be able to do this kind of stuff and have it get, have, uh, you know, the ability to do it, have the freedom to do it. And somehow along the lines of professional sports, we have opened up this gateway and allowed people the freedom to chastise these players, to yell at coaches, to disagree with calls, to vocalize their non-professional opinions as a fan. And Jonathan and I are as passionate a sports fan as you could possibly have. Okay. He and I do sports 24-7. Jonathan calls games for a living up and down, up and down the ranks. Okay. I've coached forever. I've played forever. We've been on and off the court in the field. Neither one of us, <laughs> I can imagine, are the people yelling at stuff. And we probably know more than most of the people in the stadium. And we're not taking that liberty to shout things at people and disagree calls. <laughs> so, Jonathan, yeah. maybe I'm just out of shape from public events. Maybe I'm just that dad at this point that's like, hey, shut up. I just want to watch the game. You're like, Maybe I'm just the old curmudgeon guy fan that's just like, hey, man, like save your comments to yourself. Save it for the game. Or maybe... I just think it's inappropriate in general, and I'm getting frustrated. It's hard for me to go to a game and watch stuff, not because of the sport at all. It's because of the fans and the people out there, and it's just irritating because I know they're just loudmouths, and because, again, the players can't react, the umpires can't react. They're not going to get thrown out of the place unless they throw a punch so they can get you know, as disrespectful as they want to, and it's tolerated somehow in sports. And this is at the minor league level. You know, there's like team parties and YMCA kids around and and uh, uh, work parties and stuff at these games, and they're still doing it. Am I out of line? Am I am I a, a softy, uh, Jonathan, or is this really something that that potentially needs to be uh, regulated at some level? Because I cannot imagine any other factor in life where people can show up anywhere you're at and vocally disrespect and chastise what you do for a living and have it be okay. You're just becoming a member of the media sky. Welcome to Am the I? media. Am I? Okay. Because All right, great. Well, last night I had my media hat off. I left it at home, and I was just <laughs> trying to enjoy the ball game uh, no, with the family. But, and but, Okay, but you can't – once you start thinking as a media member, it, it creeps into every aspect of your, sure. of your sports. And, sure. And, like, that's not mean you're not going to enjoy the sport. It means that you're going to look at it from a more analytical and critical perspective. It's just obnoxious. And, and part like, of well, and, and part of that is the fan because – like, I, I have I have a feeling you're more hypersensitive. This is not new, right? The, have we been caught up in a fanless world of sports or a an, an abridged version of that because of coronavirus? Absolutely. Um, have we forgotten fan etiquette? Like, look at the the conversation surrounding the NBA with the you know Westbrook getting a popcorn dumped on and there's a few uh, Kyrie getting spit yeah. at right mm -hmm. like that this is becoming a problem at all levels i got screamed at i'm a broadcaster i got screamed at at fans on friday at a high school basketball game right unbelievable dude i i've been in gyms where high school parents have been kicked out for screaming at coaches and at fans 
There's a joke I always I've had make fans. Time. I've had fans th- literally threaten to fight me in the parking lot, Jonathan. Yeah. At a, at a fourth at a fourth grade YMCA basketball game in which I'm volunteering to do because, because none of the actual you, parents step up to do it. You have to remember something, Sky. They're impassionate fans. They their identity is tied. Like parents, the reason that I go to a high school game and there's a bad call out there and parents are screaming, it's because their identities are they live vicariously through their kids, right? They it's want embarrassing. We, they Sorry. want their kids to <laughs> no be in the NBA. Every parent who has a kid playing high school basketball or high school softball, they all think their kid's going to go be a professional, right? We all want sure. That's so they so they get impassioned and they forget the line. Same thing. You go to an M's game, right? M's, yes, they're a minor league baseball team, but they're a, they're part of the, they're cultivated within the Eugene community. People identify their livelihoods are part of this, and so they're going to they they literally feel the missed calls. They feel. A, you know, a, a bad play. They feel a coaching error or a player error, and they don't they don't think about the human element, right? And as you as a human, you as a media member, you're interviewing analysts. You're interviewing Diane Rossini. You're interviewing Kayla Anderson, right? We're going to have Matthew Barry, a little tease for you next Monday, right? You're interviewing people who humanize the world of sports. So you take now a more humanistic approach. You are able to step outside. Like when you go to a Giants game, I'm sure you're as a passionate a Giants fan as you ever have. But if there's a call against the Giants, yeah, you may feel it a little bit, but you're not going to be this vehemently no. hard, like you're because you have a way you are looking at it through. And I'm sure at some point maybe you were like that. I've I've, there, I've had moment when I was little. I was I was I was an obnoxious obnoxious basketball. My freshman year of college, I, until I was told I had to be impartial for the radio station, I was probably an obnoxious Oregon fan. Man, like this is un, this is the the spoiled perspective that we have now there's a joke i always make when i go and i call games because there are times when i sit either close to or in the stands softball specifically is my favorite or baseball diamond sports an umpire gets a call whether or not i i agree or disagree i don't say but when there is a negative reaction throughout the fans i i I say it louder than i normally say things i say everybody's an umpire when it comes when they come to the ballpark but the only one that matters is on the field and nine times out of ten, I get a laugh throughout the entire stand because it, it, they realize how ridiculous they're being. You're not going to change the game. And this is a freaking high school softball game. This is a college baseball game. This is a minor league baseball game. The, the fan etiquette's going to come back. Or your frustrations are going to become limited because you're going to start being more okay with it, understanding the perspective that these fans yeah. have. That's how I yeah. feel. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, you're right. It, I'm at a Giants game, a, a Fighting Rounding game, some team I'm more invested in, even the M's. I'm a local guy here. I'm a baseball nerd. Like, I go yeah. to M's games. Look, a, a bad call, and I've umpired. I've played baseball my whole life. I see a call, and I say, I wouldn't have called it that way. Therefore, it's a bad call in my brain. So I go, oh, bad call. Like, come on, Blue. Okay, again, that's one thing. But I'm not like – you know, F-bomb, 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 blue, you and suck, blue, like blah, blah, blah. And I just think it's like it's the level of a fan and disagreement that, you you know, versus like what you're doing on the couch, bringing it out to a public environment. And especially and again, maybe this is just my dad hat and I apologize. We can move <laughs> on here. But working with kids for 20 years. All right. Yes, I was a passionate kid fan. My dad was, too. And it's not like he didn't cuss. You know, I have a foul mouth off of off air. All right. But it's it's the way you say those words. OK, I don't have a problem with the words. It's the way you say the words and the way they come across and the derogatory inflection nature, you put though. onto well, somebody. I know, but it doesn't it doesn't make f- it OK. Fans, I agree. But fans want to feel heard. Right. 
Fans want to feel heard. So if I stand up and I say, that's a bad call, I'm not standing out. If I say, F you, Blue, that's an effing bad call. You effed up. That player should be on effing third, like you, S-H-I, I know whatever, like- they do it. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I know why they do it. They get a rise out of the band because half of the stadium laughs when they do that because they don't yep. care, right? But the other half of the stadium is like, come on, bro. Like, hey, I don't fan, what do you think of the fan beating up the guy in the Jamal Murray jersey? What do you think of that? Um, well, it's he got the, attacked. On the that next was, level. I was gonna say that self that was a self defense thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but like, but like these guys still like were like they were fighting and like that's another level of yeah. But they're running their mouth. I mean, again, that's that's fans, and again, that that might be a few too many frosties on a hot day catching up to you and getting the emotion. <laughs> Probably more running. than some frosties. Okay, so that might be that's a totally different conversation. And, and we can move on here. I've, I've had my rant. I appreciate the space. And thank you, listeners, for having it. But it's it's really just – I just think on a human level, you should have decency 100% of the time. People get fired up. I get fired up. I get disappointed. I run my mouth. I get louder than I want to sometimes. I disagree with things. But, again, it's all about how you do it and when you do it. And in my opinion, the way that we have just accepted and allowed fans, yes, who, quote, unquote, pay good money to see that – you don't pay good money to go rise people and call them names and make and make fun of them and, and be disrespectful, period. And that, to me, is that crossing that line. Yeah. Disagreeing with the call, being a, for, a passionate fan, I'm cool with all that stuff to a certain level. When well, you so cross me, the line, it frustrates me. Let's end on this question then, Sky. When you look at society, when you look at the macro perspective of society without – no ambiguously, no issues, no sides of the political – doesn't matter. Would you say that you are disappointed – in the baseline etiquette that people in society treat each other with. Uh, yeah. And of course you can't, you can't put that across the board. There's a lot of really incredible humans. I that, agree. That... I, hold on, hold on. I agree. Okay. But I, 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 I feel comfortable pigeonholing the majority of people as, as subscribing to a lesser form of like basic etiquette yes. than what I would like. So to I would say, yes, I, I do. Okay. I think, and yeah. and I go throughout my day, and I go throughout my day, knowing that. So I give people like the benefit of the doubt for me now. Like if I disagree with you, I disagree with you. If I don't have with you, I don't have with you. Like that's fine. But I have more empathy for people. I have my benefit of the doubt is now greater. There's a lo- a, a bigger margin of error for people because I know what I, to expect from a lot of them. If I'm surprised because somebody's amazing, that makes me feel even better. Maybe like and and that's how like. Sports, sports isn't a exception. Sports is start part of society, so maybe the expectation just needs to shift to be more on par with you know what this is just how sports fandom is now, right? Yeah. Again, I, uh, <laughs> I I can just I can just disagree with that. I'll tell you what, Jonathan, I uh, that conversation was was cleansing. I appreciate the space. Great. I'm done. I feel better. I'm, I'm taking a breath. You want it's out you of to me. Spice things up. I I do need to spice things up. I'll how tell are you. you I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. How are you gonna do it? As soon as the show is over, I'm grabbing a giant lunch. I'm gonna refuel my body. That was a lot of energy. That was a lot of calories, and I'm adding extra bomb banana hot sauce. Y'all are familiar. It's banana based, not banana flavored. Very important here. Seekthespice.com. Ten percent off of your order here. Mention Ryan D Leaf slash the Ryan D Leaf show RDL show for ten percent off of your order. 
They sent me over six bottles. I got three of each. And as you know, the white label is a bit more mild. That's a little more flavor. However, today I'm feeling zesty. So maybe I'm going to go spice instead. And I'm going to take that red bottle instead with the muy muy. And I'm going to get a little more heat. So check out Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana based, not banana flavored. Shouts out to our friends out in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and our man Charlie Moss and the family as well. Big sponsors of the show. Delicious, delicious hot sauce. Newest thing in hot sauce, a feature in Forbes magazine. That's correct, the Forbes magazine. Bomb banana hot sauce. Hit up seekthespice.com. Mention the Ryan D. Leaf show. I heard that uh, bomb banana helps you with tweaked back. So I think the boss man's definitely on that. Well, it's okay. So my understanding is it's it's similar to icy hot, but it's only it's just heat. You know what I mean? So you, you rub a little to on there. Icy hot. You can, you can, this is a multi-use. You can, you're not supposed to eat icy hot. We should probably no, put it's, that No, it's, reu- it's reusable. So you put oh, it on okay. there, you get the heat, you rub it off, bam, slap it on a sando. You're good. You, you're good. You get, you get your carne asada talk and you just get a little bit off there. And <laughs> I love it. You save it for later. No, no reason to waste it. Hey, Jonathan, <laughs> we got, we got a couple minutes here. I, I want to, I want to kind of stick in MLB just for a second. Sure. I want to throw, I want to throw a bone to my giants just for a second here because they're playing incredible baseball. And I also want to ask you what is going on with the New York Yankees. We'll start with the giants here. They had the second highest win percentage in baseball tied with the fewest losses with the Tampa Bay Rays who have the best record in baseball, only 25 losses for the giants. They were third last year, missed the playoffs. Of course, they are battling in the NL West with the Padres, who are the new hotness in baseball, and, of course, the defending champion Dodgers. Most home runs in the MLB from the Giants, which is very surprising. Third in fielding, so excellent defense. Obviously, that helps get you wins. Fifth in ERA, up and down the board, great pitching. They've increased their playoff chances overall, Jonathan, from a preseason 5% chance to make the playoffs preseason all the way up to 55% now to make uh, the playoffs here. They have to battle the, the the Padres, but they've fallen off a little bit. They're now all of a sudden five games back of the Giants, and the Dodgers are the Dodgers, but they're still a game back, and they're kind of battling here. Do you think the Giants are for real? Yeah, I mean, of course the Giants are real. They're whooping. I mean, if you look at the run differentials in the MLB, first of all, the fact that Toronto's plus 48 and is 33 and 32 <laughs> just shows you how god-awful I love that roster, is. though. Don't get me fired up on, on, on Bichette and, and Vlad Guerrero and Biggio. And I also, love that roster. And also, the poor Miami Marlins, a plus-three run differential. They're 29. And how do you? How are you beating? You're feeding teams, and you're losing games. It's so freaking sad. So if you ask me if the Giants are legit, I say absolutely. Like, just by that fact alone, right? Like, yeah. this is a team that's playing in the toughest division in baseball right now. It's all it's an offensively heavy uh, division, but it, the standout is you just said the Giants have the most home runs, right? So if you are the leader in the offensive stats in an off- offensively gifted league, which Major League Baseball is right now, which is why everybody's trying to create all sorts of ways to pitch around all the offense that's going yep. on. I'm sure we'll talk about that at another time, Sky. Um, yes, the Giants are legit. Want to shout out my Red Sox who are only a game and a half in the league behind yeah. the Giants. So I just, I just, I had, if you're going to throw your team out there, got to show some love Please. to my boys up out in the, out in Beantown as well. But uh, you said what's wrong with the Yankees. Let's move to that really quickly. Um, it's they're, they're the Yankees. They're always wrong. No, um, <laughs> I think to be honest, it's always the back of the, 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 the order. They always, they're six through nine always is like very complacent um i'm pretty sure well, they're amongst the because one one through five costs a billion dollars yeah what are you so they do? can't af- right so i'm pretty sure they're <laughs> they're six through nine batting average like amongst like top bottom five in the league um so that's really bad you can't close out games and also there's a bunch of egotistical players right like garrett cole garrett cole i have 
like I didn't really like him before, but now after watching his press conferences and how he carries himself, it's just the Yankees just seem like they don't care about any, like the individuals don't care about anybody but themselves. There's no culture. Like the Yankees, the reason the Yankees were the Yankees for so long was because there was a culture associated with the organization. I don't feel the Yankees or culture. I don't anymore. either. I agree. And I think I truly believe like Aaron Judge Giancarlo Stanton alone should have been enough. But, you know, yes, Stanton gets injured. Yes, Judge was out for the first part of the season. But you're still signing big contracts for pitchers. The problem is, is that everybody's there for themselves. And it just, it, there's no organizational spirit. And as much as I hate the Yankees, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan, right? It's the same with the Knicks. The NBA is great when the Knicks are great. The, the MLB is fun, like not when the Rays are the best team in the league. When the Yankees and the Red Sox yep. are fighting for the top spots, when mm-hmm. the D- Giants and the Dodgers are top fighting for the top spots, when you have when I mean the White Sox are freaking great, but the, and the Cubs are finally scraping together a, a couple of wins. They're seven and three in the last ten to you know to have a, a where are they thirty and twenty nine? Like mm-hmm. that's also like like we have these little pockets where like the semblance of rivalry and baseball is coming back and baseball is struggling and the Yankees being terrible is a big reason why. So that's how I, I, I say about that. I unfortunately uh, agree, and they're currently third in the AL East. They are above 500, so the Yankees are the Yankees, and they could turn it around if people get healthy and judging Giancarlo and the rest of their squad can can put it together. But look, they've lost seven of ten, and they've they've been on the wrong side of the last ten games for about a month. Again, we're not at the All Star break yet. We still, I mean, baseball is such a long season; it's unbelievable. We see right? this with we, the Angels every year. They go up yeah. early and then they drop yep. off, right? There's we have, we have we have 90 we have 90 games left. I mean, so much can change. You know, teams who are in third place at the All-Star break, you know, end up making the playoffs and teams who are in first place by a long shot end up Rock. losing the division yep. sometimes. So, it can happen, but it's something to monitor for those uh baseball fans. And uh, I just want to throw a little baseball shout real quick here with with my Giants playing well. A lot of people don't realize Sky, Sky's Sky's the guy that that does a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes. The show wouldn't really be the uh, operating at full function without him. So Sky, we really appreciate you going above and beyond. Appreciate the opportunity, the man. I'll be I'll be rolling I'll be rolling extra guns on Monday too. So oh, we know back. it. Can't oh I can't wait to see those guns. Uh, Ryan Leaf will be back with us hopefully Friday. I will not be here. Um, so you, if you got sick of me after today, yay, enjoy your weekend. If not, I'll be back on Monday. You can also catch me all around the Twitter sphere, calling games for everybody who made the RDL show possible. Special thanks to our sponsors, uh, Sunfair, uh, Athletic Brew and Bomb Banana. Please rate, review and subscribe across all listening platforms, courtesy of the Believe Podcasting Network. For everybody here at the RDL show, Jonathan Rifkin signing off. Ryan and crew will be back on Friday at 12.30 Pacific time for all your RDL needs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.